Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with Jera? Got to give it to Jerry Jones. I have to give Jerry Jones this much. This dude is always on brand. Brand being, hey, look at me. Talk about me. React to me. And he is always, always focused on that brand. Part of me has to respect that. And that's why nobody should be surprised, in the very least, that he was the one to leap at the chance to make that move for Trey Lance. One of the most Jarrah moves ever. And it's one of the most Jarrah moves ever, both because it attracts a lot of attention and makes almost no sense. No football sense, at least. But it makes a ton of sense to Jarrah, though, because, well, look at me. I'm talking about it right now. That deal went down a few days ago, and I'm starting my Monday by talking about that deal. Mission accomplished, I guess. You got me again, Gramps. You got me again, old man. Listen, if we're talking about grabbing attention, a pub grab, then it's a genius move. But if we're talking about football, it's a nothing burger, a nothing move at best, which is all once again just classic Jera. Classic look at me, Jera. Of course, he overpaid for the dude. And don't compare the fourth round pick compared to what the Niners gave up to get him and say that's an incredible move. What value? No, compare it to what everybody else was offering today, not what the Niners gave up back in the day. And then you have a better idea of what the value is or is not. Apparently, nobody was offering anything close to that. But what did he get for that? He got an entire weekend news cycle carrying over into Monday morning. Everybody is talking about him and his Cowboys And let's just forget that he doesn't have any actual playing time or reps for a dude that needs playing time and reps more than anything. In fact, more than anybody. Remember the whole reason why Lance had to bust the hell out of Frisco? It's because the guy needs to play. He needs reps. And he was never going to get them with the Niners. So they accommodated his trade request. One problem. He's not going to see the field in Dallas either. At least, he better not. They might not even let him hold a clipboard because they also already have a QB too. Another reason why that's not a good spot for Lance. He knows he's not a starter in this league. At least not yet. And maybe never. But in the very least, he had told the Niners reportedly, please send me somewhere where I can be a backup. Send me somewhere where I can be a QB too. Well, he's not that in Dallas either. So, for any delusional Cowboy fan with the hopes that Lance might be a threat to Dak, let me just say this. Lance isn't even a threat to Cooper Rush, let alone Dak. And I can't imagine Trey is all that thrilled about going from QB3 or QB3.5 in Frisco to QB3 in Dallas. But don't kid yourself, because that's always going to be. The Cowboys just sent a fourth-round pick to one of their biggest rivals and a team they're allegedly contending with in the NFC to win it all for a third-string, 
Project QB with barely any game experience that no other team was willing to pay close to that price for, at least according to reports. So again, why would Jared do that? What does he get out of that? Nobody else was reportedly willing to pay anywhere near that amount. Oh, and that according to Jarrah himself. Jarrah came right out and admitted over the weekend that he barely negotiated. And before I start playing that sound, just remember this little press gaggle was the entire reason why Jarrah pulled the trigger on that deal in the first place. He paid a fourth-round pick just so he could gather all those cameras and mics together and have them point at him and then do his favorite thing in the world, spew nonsense that nobody can understand. Here is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Check out the way this presser began with Jera excitedly out in front of the cameras and getting a lot of attention but also having no idea how to explain that really weird move that he just made. Listen to this word salad my man is throwing together. Well, he gives us an opportunity to do uh, what we would always like to be doing. Uh, it would be ideal with uh, uh, Dak <clears throat> to have a young, prospective, developing quarterback that could... Uh, uh, just be in the room, uh, be, uh, I'm, I'm going to use the term, but be on the team with him uh, because uh, 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 this gives him not only an opportunity to take, uh, I'm talking Trace, not only Trey, what he got in San Francisco, but he can take, in my mind, one of the, quarter, one of the finest quarterback rooms there is because Dak Prescott's in it. Oh, thanks, Miss Teen South Carolina. That could uh, uh, just be in the room, uh, be, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to use the term, but be on the team with him uh, because uh, 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 this gives him not only an opportunity to take, uh, I'm talking Trace, not only Trace, Trace? he got in San Francisco. Hey, well done, Alvy. Anyway, hey, Gramps, thanks for clearing that up. And by clearing that up, I mean clearing nothing up. I was already confused about that trade, and now I'm a lot more confused. Also, did you just call that dude Trace? I'm talking Trace. You're talking Trace. I'm talking Trace. Does Jerry even know whom he traded for? You're talking Trace. I'm talking Trace. Does he know? Does he even care? Or is he just happy that people are looking at him and cameras are rolling and mics are hot? Otherwise, why would he be talking about Trace? I'm talking Trace. I'm just trying to figure out the logic of this argument that... Can we backtrack? Never mind the whole Trace thing and the Miss Teen South Carolina thing. Did you hear him try to make the argument that he thinks it's going to benefit Dak to have a young developing quarterback with almost no game experience at all in the quarterback room? How is that going to benefit Dak? Is that not totally back-ass words? Don't you want more experience in the room, 
not less? Don't you want somebody who could push the guy? Even for Jera, that makes no sense whatsoever. Like I said before, he doesn't even deny that there was not much of a negotiation, which is how he ended up offering more than anybody else reportedly was willing to offer. Check out how this master negotiator describes. And and by the way, he is that, right? He should be that, right? He's the ultimate deal maker, right? Look at what he did. Look at what he paid for that team. Look at what that team is worth right now. This dude should be the ultimate deal maker when it comes to business, but not football, clearly. Check out how this alleged ultimate deal maker and negotiator described his latest brilliant negotiation. Well, I didn't want another moment to go by because they said we want to trade him. And we said, done. Just like that. That's like that, almost just like that. But it was might a little more than that. But uh, uh, we didn't. <laughs> but, but my point is, uh, my point is, uh, he we, didn't, we didn't want him. We didn't want him to tang up. We wanted him. Uh-oh. That is not a phrase that guy should be using. For obvious reasons. I'm just going to let that sit right there for a minute, and I'll come, back, I'll come back to it. He said, the Niners said, we want to trade him. And we said, done. Done. I don't know, Jared. Did, did you discuss terms? Man, what I would give for this guy to call me? Hey, Rome. No, or I could call him. Hey, Jarrah. I, I would like to be the GM of the Cowboys. Done? Done. Well, isn't there anything further for us to talk about? Nah, I don't want you to tang up, Rome. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? I don't want to lose Trace. And I don't want y'all to tang up. We didn't want them to tang up. Even for this guy. There you go, Cowboy fan. There is your man at work. The Niners called and said they wanted to offload their enormous mistake of a quarterback. One of the biggest mistakes ever. And Jarrah's like, done. I'll take him. Just like that, Done. And then John Lynch was like, well, Jarrah, what are you actually willing to send us? And Jarrah must have been like, whatever you want, John. And John was like, uh, hmm, let's see here. I'm getting a bunch of third-day picks, getting a bunch of eighth-round offers. 
I, I don't know, Gramps. How about a fourth? Done? Done. John must have been like, damn, I should have asked for a first. Done? Done. Jared just wanted this guy so badly. So badly. And there was no way he was going to let the Niners, quote, tang up. Tang up. What, and risk losing Trace? Jared had visions of cameras and microphones in his face and dominating the news cycle in that dead period right before the season starts. So he said, done, done, don't hang up. We love Trace. We didn't want him to We love Trace coming out of college. Just like that. Even, Even if he has no actual use or reps or playing time or real plan for Trace. Hey, bottom line is this. The dude better not be relevant to the Cowboys this season because if, quote, Trace has to hit the field this year in Dallas, then it's a disaster for the Cowboys. And even better, maybe my favorite part of this whole thing, even more than don't hang up and Trace, is you don't even have to take my word for it. Even Jera himself admitted we had to have this guy, but we really don't want him to play. How can he help you this year? Is there, there's a certain packages he can get out on the field, things like that? Uh, well, he, he will come in, and I, I uh, uh, candidly, uh, as far as uh, uh, I don't want to plan on, count on, or wish for help from him this year. Candy Lee. I went to a school with a kid named Debbie Lee. Candy Lee. I love this notion. I love this notion that we absolutely had to have this guy, but he better not actually ever get anywhere near the field. But we absolutely had to have him. Right on brand for Jarrah. Candy Lee. Candy Lee. uh, Right on brand for him and hilarious to the rest of us. But probably not so much for Lance himself, since once again, the whole reason he needed a new home was, one, the guy couldn't live with being QB3. I don't blame him. But most of all, he needs reps. He needs to play. He needs action. But the real point is the mission has already been accomplished for Jarrett because I just spent most of the Monday Open, in fact, the entire Monday Open, talking about this. A fourth-round pick for a guy who may or may not be one of the bigger busts ever. We could debate that point, too. Look, I get it. When you have a chance to grab everybody's attention, you cannot let that opportunity tang up on you. Especially when we're talking about the legend that is Trace Lance. I'm talking Trace. When you have a chance to jump back in the spotlight for a second and dominate a news cycle for an entire weekend and maybe get some moron like me to go on on a Monday morning and keep that thing going. Man, you do it. You do it. This is why we need the Truman Show, Jera. The Jera Show is just so much more interesting than the Cowboys themselves. Like I keep saying, the crap he's willing to spew in these gaggles is priceless enough. Imagine if we got to follow this dude around 24-7. I'm not talking about like mic'd up where they put a mic on a player for 90 seconds or two minutes. I'm talking about putting a mic around this guy's neck for 24-7 and a camera in his grill or what's left of that grill. And don't act like you wouldn't love it. 
put the Jarrah show in prime time all the time, and never mind the football team. Because the football team really is not his first priority anyway. And he proved it again. As always, Jarrah's first priority is, hey, look at me. Well, I'm not done. There's more. Remember when the Niners sent poor Fred Warner out to explain how Sam Darnold beat Lance out for the backup position? Well, the coach, Kyle Shanahan, finally did get around to explaining why they sent, quote, Trace to Dallas. When we told Trey, when we told him that he wasn't the two, I said we'd like to keep him here as the three. But we also want to do what's good for him, too. And we'll see how this plays out. Now, when we looked at other teams and... He told us that he would like another opportunity to go somewhere where we had a chance to be the two. We thought we got some good deals for him. Uh, there was a number of teams involved. To end up getting in the fourth was a little better than we anticipated and clears up a lot of money and uh, allows a better situation for him too. I, I love the way the fact that these guys don't even deny it or hide it. They're like, damn, I can't believe we got a fourth for this guy. I mean, they're saying it. A Niner fan. We got some good deals for him. Uh, there's a number of now teams you got involved. one good deal for him, Kyle. One. Was a little better than we anticipated. and A lot better than you anticipated. You know why? Anything was a lot better than you anticipated. Hey, Niner fan. Hey, Frisco fan. Hey, Big Head. Hey, Frisco You too. Fan. Cover your ears. If this does not solidify my take from last week, I don't know what does. Take being that that really was one of the most catastrophic draft day pick swaps and selections ever. And I mean ever. I mean ever. The fact that it did not completely sink that franchise is actually incredible. And why the coach and the front office all still have their gigs. (laughs) Jarrah, doing what Jarrah does best, getting us, me included, to talk about him. Meantime, you might be wondering, well, what does Dak think about this? Some people try to make the argument that, oh, Dak still doesn't have that contract extension he wants. Now, Jerry's got leverage. If Trace couldn't beat out Sam Darnold and can't beat out Cooper Rush, exactly where is that leverage that some of you think he has? I'm not saying it. Anyway, they finally got around to asking Dak, Hey, Dak, what is your reaction to this whole thing? I mean, I, I can't say that I necessarily expected it, no. Um, I understand that that's business. I understand that they're probably on a timeline. They need to get something done. And as I said, he felt like that strengthened this team. To be honest with you, I'm not surprised by anything anymore. Uh, you've been in this league eight years, been on this team. Uh, it's hard to say that I was surprised, to be honest with you. Hey, Dak, you know who's on a timeline right now? You. Absolutely you, Dak. You, you're 30, it's your time, you've got talent all around you, you, you're on a timeline, Time you know, but you know who's on a more time, or who's more on a timeline than you are, to be fair? <laughs> your owner. He's 81. I'm on schedule. Y'all are on schedule. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard 
also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. He is Jeffrey Chidiha. Jeff, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Good, dude. Good. Really good to have you on show and hear your voice. Let me start you off with a question about Trey Lance. The Trey Lance era ends in San Francisco after two years and only four regular season starts. Why do you think the Cowboys wanted him, and do you think that's a good spot for him? Right now, it's not the greatest spot for him, but I would guess that Jerry Jones is thinking long-term and wondering – what Dak Prescott will want at some point when his next deal comes up. And if he has an ace in the hole there, if they can develop Trey Young, excuse me, yeah, Trey Lance, Trey Young, and turn him into the quarterback a lot of people thought he could be when he came out of college, that's a nice playing card to have in a negotiation. Now, that's a long way off, and he hasn't played a whole lot, and that's always going to be the sticking point with Trey Lance is when is he going to get the opportunity to get this experience that everybody keeps saying he needs to have to be the player that he should be. And so I think it's – I think Dak Prescott probably didn't like it that much. I know why Jerry Jones probably is excited about it. But the big deal – the big thing here is can Trey Lance actually improve as a player? Right, exactly. And what he needs is playing time, reps of any sort. Is he going to get that there? You know, it's – I think if you look at the Cowboys' history the last few years, you know, Dak has gotten banged up a couple times. Missed some games last year. And if they feel like that scenario rises again and Trey Lance can get up to speed enough, now he's only been there for a day or two, to where he can go in and be a difference maker, that's the only way I see it working. I don't see Dak Prescott not, you know, missing games and not being out there unless he's banged up. So, yeah, it's going to be a hard way to, hard way to go for Trey Lance. But, again, it's – I, I, I feel for the kid just because I think he's super talented, but I just don't see where he's going to get that much time in Dallas. Agreed. Jeffrey Chidiha is joining us. So why don't we stay in the NFC East for a moment? He probably will not be a factor at all this year for them if Dak Prescott stays healthy especially. So what does Dallas have to do, for instance, to unseat Philly in the division, and do you think they will? Well, I think this is a division that has not had a back-to-back winner since, what, 2005. So the odds are good that it's not going to be the Eagles, but I still think the Eagles are the better team. But if you look at what Dallas did this offseason, they made a lot of really shrewd moves to improve a team that was already pretty good. I, I still think Stephon Gilmore is a player. Having him alongside Trayvon Diggs at corner is a big lift to that defense. I like Tony Pollard as uh, getting more opportunities than he had last year with Zeke there. And I feel like Brandon Cooks opens up the offense. And, and so really the big thing here, going back to Dak, is taking care of the football and getting the ball to playmakers and playing the kind of defense that they were playing when they were really, really on the rise. I mean, this is a great pass rush, great back end. If they can just avoid the kind of turnovers they've had in the past, they should be able to – at least get Philadelphia a run for that division crown. Jeffrey Chidiha is joining us. So why don't we talk about the AFC West? I'm just kind of jumping around a bit. When you look at the defending champs, do you think that Chris Jones is going to make good on that threat of an extended holdout? Mm-hmm. And if he does, are they still the ones to beat without him? They're not winning the championship without Chris Jones or even with an unhappy Chris Jones. If you look at, I think last year they had seven wins that came by seven points or less or six touchdowns or less. And they needed everything they had on that roster to win that championship. 
I know Patrick Mahomes is terrific and Travis Kelsey's great and Andy Reid's great, all that. But Chris Jones is great too. And he was a big part of their – they don't get past Cincinnati in the AFC title game without him playing. So they definitely need him. But I also feel like this situation has gotten to a point where two things are, are really big factors now. And one is just the, the, the emotions of it. I'm sure Chris Jones has shown his resilience and does not want to have to sit out that long, but he's, he's willing to do it. I think it's a mistake. But even if he misses a couple games – and that impacts the Chiefs in some way. I think he's going to feel good about it, about his leverage because they don't have they don't, they don't have Charles Amenehu for six games. Uh, Ladarius Sneed, their best cornerback, is hurt. There are a lot of things. People say he doesn't have that much leverage. I see a lot of playing cards on Chris Chris Jones' side of this. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they win at all without him. In fact, I know they don't win at all without him. He is their best defensive player. He is one of their best players, an impact guy. They've got to have this guy. What's keeping in the AFC West? What do you make of the hiring of Kellen Moore? How do you think that's going to impact the trajectory and the play of Justin Herbert? I'm a big fan of Kellen Moore, and I love what he did with Dak Prescott in, in Dallas. You know, I know it didn't end well there with Mike McCarthy, but you saw the you saw the progress that was made. You saw the way the offense ran. I loved his use of tight ends. I loved the way he spreads the football around. And I think that Justin Herbert needs to have a season where he puts himself in that same physically, skill set-wise, he's in the same category as Mahomes, the Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. But when it comes to that extra dimension, when it comes to going out there and making a play to win a game or taking over a game, he doesn't have that on his resume yet. And so for me, the biggest thing Kellen Moore needs to give him is one, more consistency in, in play calling and more imagination, but two, just elevating him to that place where he is just, every time he steps out there, just impossible to deal with. Jeffrey Chadiha is my guest. So, Jeff, the AFC East is fascinating as hell to me this year. Is Buffalo still the team to beat there, or could you ride with either Miami or the Jets? I'm going with Buffalo for now just because I like going with the champs until they get knocked out, and they're still a pretty good team. I know it's kind of popular to dump on them and say their window is closing fast, but as I said, Josh Allen is still amazing. Stephon Davis is still pretty good. Sean McDermott is still a really good coach. A lot of the people who were there when they were talking about them winning a championship last year are still there, and so that gives them the edge for me. And When I look at the Jets, who I love on paper, and I love Aaron, what he can bring to them, and the Dolphins, it's just those, those two big questions. Can their offensive line hold up and keep Aaron Rodgers healthy with the Jets? And can Tua stay healthy in Miami? I just I can't be certain of that right now, but I know I'm certain of what I've seen in Buffalo. You know, I was going to ask you about that very thing. You know, watching hard knocks, you saw Robert Sala light his offensive line up one night. Do you think that that unit can consistently protect Aaron and keep him clean? I... There will be some challenges there just because on the edges, you just don't know what Mekhi Becton is going to be and Dwayne Brown's coming back from that injury. They brought Barton Billy Turner from Green Bay. But I remember back when Peyton Manning was in his last year in Denver and I was talking to Greg Knapp, rest in peace, your old offensive coordinator, about their offensive line. I don't think anybody listening right now could probably name who was blocking for Peyton Manning in that last year, except for maybe Denver fans. And he told me, I said, how are you going to block you know, how you can protect your quarterback with this line. And he said, well, the quarterback gets the ball out fast. That's, that's how you protect him. And so I imagine Aaron Rodgers is going to be getting the ball out fast. He's not going to be trying to do as much improvising as, he, as he's done in the past. 
And if you saw the way they played in that first preseason game that he played in in years, that's what they did. They just they got it all fast, and they made sure he was not taking hits. Jeffrey Chidiha is joining us. You mentioned Miami. Jeffrey, could you imagine, and it seems to me to be a long shot, but is there any way the Dolphins could pull Jonathan Taylor, and then how great would he be in their backfield? I feel like it's a real possibility. And it comes down to what the Colts are willing to accept for him. Uh, I think it's crazy. They're not going to get a first-round pick for him just because of the, the time of year it's in and the situation that's there. And you know Taylor doesn't want to be there anymore. But if Miami can, can get him and add him to that offense, I just, man, who's, who, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with a, a running back who is an MVP candidate and two receivers who are running four threes? And, you know, it's just, it's a lot to handle offensively. And again, two has to stay healthy. But if I'm Miami, I'm making that deal work any way I can within the next 24 hours. I was just going to say, if I'm Miami, I'm doing everything, everything in my power to make that happen. What about, before I let you go, and I appreciate you, we're covering a lot of ground. Yeah, yeah. How do you think Packers era parent Jordan Love looked in the preseason, and what are you expecting from him and the Packers this year? I feel like he proved what people have been saying about him throughout the offseason. And I know it's, the, you know, in the summer and the spring, people hype people up, but there are a lot of positive reports coming about him um, out of Green Bay. And you saw some of his potential last year when he filled in for Aaron in that game against Philadelphia. And he was a first-round pick for a reason. The talent's been there, and he's had three years, like Aaron had, to sit behind a Hall of Fame quarterback and learn how to play the game. And I suspect that, that Matt LaFleur is super excited about coaching this kid because, you know, there was some friction there with Aaron about things that they wanted to do and how they wanted to run the offense. And, and this kid has been very pliable. And he comes at a time when Matt LaFleur is going to keep doing what he's been doing. They're going to run the football and play action. But he looks so confident right now. He looks so comfortable in that system. And it just tells you that, that those three years he spent sitting are going to pay off. So let's just finish this thing off. Another division, the AFC North. It's actually wide-ass open. <laughs> Who do you yeah. like in that division? Who are you picking to win that division? You know, again, I'm sticking with the, the Bengals, the best team last year, just because I'm a big Joe Burrow fan, big Jamar Chase fan. Even with the losses in the back end with Von Bell and Jesse Bates gone, they are a really deep roster. They're well coached. They know how to make plays when it matters most. But you're right. I, I look at that division. Every team is a legit playoff contender. Every team has uh, legit defensive player of the year candidates, um, MVP candidates, all pro candidates. So it's going to be a slugfest. But I just feel like the, the, the Bengals, given the way they finished last year and the way they were on a roll, that, that momentum carries over, even with Burrow dealing with that calf strain. And we know he comes back from injury and he can recover pretty quickly. He's an NFL Network reporter and NFL.com senior columnist. He's the co-host of the 2D podcast and the Red, Gold, and Bold podcast and an adjunct professor at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. So he is everywhere. Jeffrey Chidiha. Jeff, really appreciate you. Thanks so much. Great job. Always good, brother. Thanks a lot. Because thankfully the NFL preseason is over. You know a.k.a. the fake football that tortures us for several weeks while we are all starved and desperate for real football. The fake football that is really, really tempting to take at face value and convince yourself that it is real ball, but it's not. It's a mirage. 
It's fool's gold. Thankfully, it's gone. Now, here's the good news. Well, good news for many, bad news for others. We are closing in on cut day, guillotine day, 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, where all rosters must be cut down from 90 to 53, which means there's going to be a hell of a lot of attrition in the next 24 hours. A lot of dudes losing jobs. A lot of heads rolling. And that's got to be the worst part of the entire NFL offseason. I mean, that's brutal. Cut day may as well be name your quarterback deadline day as well because if you still don't know who your QB1 is at this point, then you do not have a QB1. That's not a problem, though, for my dude and noted hardcore clone Nick Casario and the Texans because they went ahead and they named their rookie second overall pick as their starter last night. Because, of course, they did. That's a no-brainer. Man, I got I got to be honest. I don't root, as you know, but it's hard not to root for the Texans. You've got Nick Casario, who is a legendary clone, and not a closet one either. Like, he's front and center, wearing it on his sleeve, saying, yeah, I'm still about the show. And he's contributing to smack-off season. He's responding to the smack-off. He's talking to Shawnee yeah, in the days leading up to the really smack off. I forgot to mention fellow clone on that introduction, so I'm definitely a clone. So I appreciate having me back and really excited. Without me having to go there, I do appreciate you acknowledging your jungle roots, Nick. Can't forget him, Jim. Uh, we, I go way back with the jungle. Uh, actually, I have a jungle-related story and a smack off related story in the same vein. So, you know, I was a big smack off listener. Haven't listened to smack off here in a little bit, but um, last week when we had Lovey's introductory press conference, uh, we had an opportunity with our local media, unbeknownst to me, and I had plenty of interactions with Sean Pendergast, but I didn't realize he was the Cablin Asian until he mentioned that he was the Cablin Asian. So, we had a big chuckle over that. And when he mentioned to me that, that he's Sean the Cablin Asian, I said, man, you were a pretty good call at the Rome show. And then we proceeded to talk about Jeff and Richmond, his 18 to three quarter inch pipes and his luxury sled. So we, we go way back, Jim. There's no question. This will never not be amazing to me. Nick is just breaking down the show like the combine, like talent, like perspective, draft picks. And you know, sometimes when I introduce a guest, if I miss on a stat or the number of years playing the league, they'll correct me. That's always sort of kind of awkward, but I own it and I apologize for it. He corrected me by saying you left out noted clone, which was the greatest correction ever by a guest. So they named their draft pick as their starting quarterback. No brainer. As much of a no brainer as the Panthers starting Bryce Young or even the Colts starting Anthony Richardson. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to go amazingly well for all three dudes. Of course. Of course I'm not saying that. It rarely goes well for any rookie QB. But that's why you put them out there right now. You start the clock. You start their learning curve. You start the development process as soon as possible, especially if you do not have a better option. Then there's no decision at all. I mean, look, Davis Mills did a fine job for having to play in the middle of a teardown, rebuild the past few years. But nobody in Houston is hyped to see any more of Davis Mills. No offense, Davis Mills. 
Just like nobody in Carolina is excited to see any more of Andy Dalton. And as awesome and as fun as Gardner Minshew is, nobody is waiting on that. He's not going to be more fun and exciting than watching Anthony Richardson chucking footballs off the ceiling and running all over the place at 6'4", 245. So what I'm saying is it should be a really fun rookie quarterback class, but they shouldn't be starting just because they're fun. They should be starting because in all three spots, it makes the most sense. This is not a Trey Lance Frisco situation where there are legitimate Super Bowl aspirations and you want to get the clock started on a guy and you want to get him reps. And none of these teams even have a Jimmy G either, for that matter. No offense to Davis Mills, Andy Dalton, or Gardner Minshew. So no surprise about any of the rookie QBs and no surprise when I say I don't root, but I'm rooting for my man Nick and the Texans. And no controversy either. At least not for me. For me, putting them all on the field is the only call. If you're going to spend a first, a second, or a fourth overall pick on a quarterback, they should play. All right, so that's not exactly some hot take right there. Some other thoughts coming off the weekend. I'm not the least bit surprised that Baker Mayfield, and I might be the only national guy still pushing this guy, although I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit. Baker, you understand. But I'm still with you, my brother. Not at all surprising that he won that job in Tampa, but that situation is a lot different. I mean, yes, he's got to follow a legend and the GOAT, but unlike the rookies, Baker needs to ball out right now. He's on a really short leash. He's got to ball out this year because this could be his last chance to stick as a legitimate number one quarterback option in that league. Now, he's got a shot. I'm telling you, he's got a legitimate look because he has weapons and the division is wide-ass open and he's playing for his career and he knows it and generally, when healthy, when this guy's backed up against a wall, he comes out swinging. And of course he beat out Kyle Trask. Of course, the former number one overall pick who is the only quarterback in the past 29 years to lead the Browns to a playoff win. Of course that guy won the job over a dude with nine career NFL pass attempts. It's almost insulting that there had to be a competition. It's almost insulting that it was even a question. But then again, he works best with that chip on his shoulder. So now he's got to earn his way back to being respected. That's why my dude's got to ball out. But the dude that I might be most excited to watch in week one is the dude who had no competition at all this summer. A dude who has been in line for his throne for quite some time. A dude who is attempting to continue a three-decade streak of Hall of Fame quarterback playing Green Bay. No pressure, Jordan Love. None at all. Just finish two of the best ever or follow two of the best ever. Keep that going. No pressure, no diamonds. Hey, listen. A preseason can be a liar. And it's not real. But we also don't really have any other way to evaluate this dude so far, right? And based on the preseason, Love's not looking too bad. In fact, based on the preseason, Love is looking pretty solid. The guy's looking pretty good. We'll wait and see when it really goes down. But so far, so good. It's well established at this point 
then I'm high as hell on the Jets, too. You know that. And I'll finish that thought, too. But listen, just because I'm an Aaron Rodgers guy does not mean that I'm anti-Jordan Love. I'd love to see this guy succeed because I'm, quote, Wisco Jim. (laughs) Love to see it. I just want to say I've got a ton of respect for Aljamain Sterling. I know last weekend against my dude, Sugar Sean O'Malley did not go very well for Aljo, but he's still arguably the goat of that division. He's universally respected. He's a beast. I would never disrespect or try to clown that dude. I want to make that so clear. And I'm not doing that right now. But I am trying to understand something about the former champ. I'm trying to figure out, after getting his soul and his belt snatched, how he just pulled off one of the all-time benders. Caloric benders. Let me put it to you this way. Did you see this guy at weigh-in? Did you see this guy when he stepped into the cage? Absolutely shredded. He looked every bit the goat. If you look at him today, he's unrecognizable. You would never know who he is. He looks nothing like he looked only a week ago. And he says that he packed on 40, 40, 40, 40, 40 pounds in six days after that fight. At least that's what he said on his YouTube channel. I'll say that once again. 40 pounds in six days. Last weekend, he looked like, uh, well, he looked like a Dodonis. He looks like a Dodonis. He really did, too. But a few days later, he looks like a dude. He looks like a Dodonis. He just looks like a dude. A fat ass. He looks like a Dodonis. Just kidding, my guy. (laughs) Even 40 pounds heavier could choke me out in three seconds. But, I mean, two seconds later, that shred was gone. Now his six-pack is gone. The six-pack is gone and seemingly replaced by a baby keg or an actual keg. And maybe the craziest part of all is the only reason we know this is because dude posted the evidence himself. Could have totally laid low. Did it. Did his mind-blowing caloric bender in private. I could see where it would be hard to accept what happened. I mean, even though I've, I've made this so clear so many times, the amazing thing about that promotion, UFC, is everybody loses. Everybody. Except Habib. Everybody. Everybody. I mean, I hate to say it. He's not going to like me for it, but Sugar's going to lose at some point. Everybody does. Everybody does. I mean, Sugar was a big dog in that fight. Everybody loses. There's no shame in losing. Guys come back. Hell, Connor has only won one fight since 2016. Yet there he is on his YouTube channel showing off his gut. It was incredible. I want to reiterate, six days ago, this dude was absolutely shredded. And then six days later, there is no shred. Okay, guys, 
I told myself I wasn't gonna get that heavy, but as you can see, the process has already begun. Still got a little bit of a layer underneath there, a little bit of a layer of fat on the top. I checked my weight, I'm about 173 pounds, I think. But I still got some time before vacation, so I might do a couple subs. So let's see what I weigh. Props, dude. Props. I mean, like he's having fun with it. He's making a joke out of it. How about that music? I still have some time before vacation, so I might do a couple of sit-ups. He also said, let's see what I weigh. Well, when you look at the scale, I think, it said a buck 75 and a half. A full 40 pounds heavier than he was when he weighed in for the fight last week at 135. And I'm not shaming the dude at all. In fact, it, made me, it makes me laugh. That music that he has and the way he sets it up and that he's having fun with it, not only am I not shaming the dude, I think he's even more of a legend. In fact, after seeing this, I think I respect him even more. I'm utterly fascinated by this. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm not, dude. I'm in awe. I am not judging you. I'm in awe. I'm fascinated. I need more info, though. I need you. You know, you ever have those people that are constantly measuring their food, obsessed about what they're eating, obsessed about what they're putting in their body, and if you tell them, man, I flamed, I melted down, they want to tell me, tell me, what did you eat? Like, they want to live vicariously through you. I've got a few friends like that that are so careful, and I'll be like, man... Went into the pantry, had this terrible bender. W what did you eat? Tell me. And I'm like, I already feel like crap about myself. I don't want to run it through. Tell me. Tell me. Cookies? Salt? Sugar? What? What? Give me the deets. Deets. All I've eaten today is a radish. Tell me. So that's kind of me. Except it's more than that. It's not that I want to live vicariously through whatever it is he consumed. I want to know how it's possible to gain 40 pounds in six days. I, want, I don't want just the end result, which is great. I'll take that. But I want him to walk me through every hour of every day and what he ingested to put on 40 pounds. I mean, I know all, trust me. I know all about calorie binges and rapid weight gain. That is basically what lake life is for me. That's just me in Wisco mode. But even Wisco Jim going all out cannot come close to that, to that sort of damage. 40 pounds in a week is amazing. Probably not that healthy, but amazing. I need to understand how that works. I... And, and maybe if Aljo himself won't help me, maybe somebody else can. I don't know. Like, oh, I know. Wells. Wells, can you help me understand how this is possible? Tell you what, Wells. I will lift your jungle ban if you've ever gained 40 pounds in a week. Well, you probably have. But I need you to take me through it step by step. Look, I get it. These dudes do not walk around at their fighting weight almost exclusively. We know this. And they cut like maniacs for these fights. We know that too. 
Maybe he's going to move up a weight class. Maybe not. I don't know. But again, 40 pounds in less than a week. That is crazy. Now, maybe some other fighters would say, actually, Roman's not. It's not that crazy. All right, maybe not. But I'll tell you this. I've never heard a guy admit it before. I've never heard a guy admit it before. And I certainly have never seen a guy show it to me before. Like Aljo did. And I'm not clowning. In fact, I respect him even more. I'm no doctor. I don't play one on the radio or TV. Believe me, I have enough trouble monitoring what kind of food I eat. But that can't be healthy. I mean, again, this dude is one of the best ever. He knows his body. He knows his game. He knows his discipline. He knows his technique. He knows his craft. He knows all this. It just seems to me it's got to be dangerous enough trying to make a living getting punched, kneed, and elbow in the face and in the head. Dangerous enough without the insane weight fluctuations. And dangerous enough without the insane weight cuts. But I'm not judging. I'm just amazed and concerned (laughs) and concerned. Like, if you can get in that cage and lay it all on the line, hell, man, eat and drink whatever the hell you want after the fight. That dude more than earned it, even if he did get knocked the hell out. No judgment. I mean, you know how you know there's no judgment? Have you noticed there is no fat alarm going on right now? Alva, you better don't. You better don't. I would never do that to Aljo. I just can't imagine working that hard and losing a six-pack in six days and adding almost a half a hundred in less than a week. Don't judge me. I'm not, my man. I'm in awe. I'm just trying to understand you. And then he posted it on YouTube for everybody to see. But then again, he's having fun with it. You know, you got to feed the beast. You got to feed the beast. Everybody's got a platform. You have to feed the beast. He fed both beasts, himself and the platform. Like, I know the loss was depressing. I get it. Huge fight. And I know clicks and views are cash money. He has a channel. He needs content. He needs eyeballs. I just can't believe my eyeballs seeing what dude looks like right now compared to what he looked like only a week ago. And having all that hard work disappear in a matter of days. And knowing you're going to have to work even harder to get right all over again. All right, one more thing. I admit I go through a mini version of that every single weekend. But even on my worst weekend, and not lately, but certainly back in the day, maybe I'd gain five pounds. I mean, I'll admit what my life used to be like. And still sometimes. I could go into Friday night and then come out of Sunday night five pounds heavier, honestly. But then I would just spend the next week grinding and cutting the five that I gained, and I could, and I do, only to gain it all back in the following weekend, in two days. Who am I kidding? That's most weekends for me in my adult life. But that's five pounds, not 40. (laughs) I mean, I get that these dudes have a different kind of engine, different kind of furnace, that they're built differently. But that's why you don't see me climbing into any octagons or putting on 40 in six days. Man, these dudes are built differently. And especially my man, Aljo. 
because that dude is literally built different today than he was even last weekend. <gasps> Still got a little bit of a layer underneath there, a little bit of layer of fat on the top. He's trying to argue that he's got a little layer of sixer under the layer of fat that he has, quote, attained. Still got some time before vacation, so I might do a couple subs. So let's see. I mean, it's funny. For a guy who is rap for not doing enough to sell or promote or having that kind of it personality, it's kind of funny. I still have a little time before vacation to do a couple of sit-ups. My man, I don't think a couple of sit-ups are going to help. And if your argument is, Rome, who cares? He'll just do the weight cut again. He'll look like he's supposed to look like before his next fight again. To which my argument would be, how many times can you do that? And how detrimental is that to your health? Obviously. To keep gaining and losing 40 pounds? And there's one more argument that I could make, I guess. If somebody can gain 15 pounds between weigh-in and the fight, and that's only a day or a day and a half, wouldn't stand a reason that you could gain 40 over six days? Yeah, but that one day after weigh-in, you go berserk. You eat everything. You put it all back in. You'd have to do that five more days in a row. And how do you keep all that on board? How do you keep that all on board? Scott in Phoenix. Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm fantastic, Jim. Hey, what happened to Harlan last year, or Hamlin, sorry, was absolutely tragic. But when is the NFL going to stop these games every time a player has a headache? Because McCarthy ate too much and he's bloated. We're not playing today. I mean, they've got to draw the line. You know, people are playing regular season prices to play, to watch preseason football in the stands, and then the games are getting canceled, or, you know, getting games stopped. Thanks for taking the call, Jim. You got it. All right, Scott. So he gave us something to talk about. You know what I like about Scott? I like that he did what I asked him to do. I said, if there's something you want to bring up that I'm not addressing and you want to talk about it, do it. Don't wait on me. He's got a problem with these preseason games being stopped and ended prematurely because of player injury. I don't know, Scott. I'm not going to say that you're the only one in the world who feels that way, but I think you might be in the minority. Does anybody really even care? All right, you make one fair point. Good night, no! 